Welcome to Screen Talk in the U.S. Weekly Movie Podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, joined by Ann Thompson. And Ann, we've got plenty of stuff to talk about this week. We've got movies like Eternals and Dune, all this stuff happening on the big side of things. But also, we've got one of those fun award updates where instead of something that's sort of a crystal ball about the Oscar race or whatever, we get a total contrast to that. And that's the Gotham nomination. So Gotham nominations came around. This is not something where you can really predict them so well in advance because it's pretty arbitrary. It's a couple of people in a room having conversations, choosing films that qualify. Is it true that Best Picture came down to like four people? I mean, I can't I I don't know all the specifics on that front, but it does seem like... That's a little concerning. I mean, that helps to explain if you have these small committees, and I know that our colleagues, uh, Kate Erbland and and, and David Ehrlich were were among them, and you've done it in the past many, many, many times. Um, You know, it's it's, it's just a small group of New Yorkers who who have a certain, you know, taste, whatever that taste is in that particular year, picking these different categories. So you have to keep that in mind. Well, yeah, and this is the first year in, in a decade that I wasn't a part of the process. But what, what I actually do like about it is that it is arbitrary in that sense, uh, because we get plenty of opportunities to look at large awards bodies voting on different kinds of opportunities. You know, the you're talking about the Spirit Awards as sort of a contrast to the Oscars, but they also overlap with the Oscars to some degree or the you know, different kinds of uh, the glo- globes or whatever fills that globes void the critics choice. But something like this is a different kind of opportunity. The budget cap is $35 million, which is actually pretty high, but it's a lot most, higher than the spirits. Yes. It's which is I think 28, 21, 20, 20, yeah. but, but I think that what's fascinating about it is that the groups tend to not even bother with films in that range. I mean, you look at the movies that got nominated for Best Feature this year, The Green Knight, The Lost Daughter, Passing, Pig, and Test Pattern. I mean, these are not these are not big movies. There are so, two Netflix movies, but they're not big the Netflix good, movies. Yeah, Netflix did okay. I mean, the, the Passing and I think and Lost Daughter both did very well, but but the but the, I think they each got three three apiece. Um, but but the the trick here is is to is just to you know it, it sends a signal to people to especially critics I would say um, before they get into their voting um, to to see some of these films and check them out and 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 in that way I applaud it, but it. It, it is it is hardly you know whatever got left out or whatever budget movies got left out or you know whatever movies didn't get it you know made in you know made it into some of the, the key categories especially they have these gender free uh, uh, acting categories now um, which seem to be relatively well balanced I'm always worried about that that the, they're gonna have all men <laughs> no women well but that's know? the thing it's like you have to trust in people's intelligence to some degree when you take a risk like that or quote unquote risk like that it's not actually a risk in some ways it's a progressive stance that also allows people to understand what the prerogatives are of the organization from a cultural standpoint so they're saying we don't want to think in terms of you know uh we want to be more fluid about the way we approach gender and performance so do what you like with that so the likelihood you're then going to have a committee come in and nominate a bunch of men is so low that <laughs> <laughs> i don't anyway. think you should be too worried yeah yeah yeah. but right, so, I, here's, so here's, green... can i tell you one thing though what uh, what i found fascinating about best film so green knight yes that's a, a, a pretty big movie you know relative to some of these others like test pattern or pig but what's notable is that outside of green knight test pattern which i haven't seen pig passing in the lost daughter these are all first time 
features. So my it big is takeaway, a surprise. <laughs> I mean, no, it is a surprise. Definitely a surprise. Did not I liked get a it. I liked it so much that it's I interviewed the director movie. and interviewed yeah. Nick Cage, yeah. and I was very high on the film. It's not what you think it's going to be. It's a good debut. It's a it's smart not, film, and it's not in the breakthrough director category like some of these others, like Maggie Gyllenhaal, etc. But what it did tell me, if we're going to take away some sort of bigger picture kind of thing, is that. There are a lot of higher profile first features this year, like Passing and Lost Daughter, which I think is going to be interesting when we get into the critics groups and best first feature. Because for me, like I would love to see a film like Shiva Baby be kind of like the movie, the, the year that Show was making the rounds where you had that debut that was like the debut that the critics groups embraced. You knew it wasn't going to be an Oscar player, but it feels like, you know, Lost Daughter, I mean, that could win screenplay. And like, that's a serious contender. So it does feel like- I would say that's the category along with Olivia Coleman that it will Mm -hmm. be in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say passing, it's interesting that Netflix has passing and the Lost Daughter in effect competing with each other because you have actresses turned directors who have profiles, who are known, who are popular, who have the ability to move forward um, and work the room and and are good at doing that. And and yet uh, it's a terrible thing to recognize that one of them is more likely to get through than the other. I just don't know which one it is probably lost daughter but i'm not sure because i love both of them i love both films they're different and they shouldn't be thrown out because they both exist in the same sort of category yeah it's a fascinating showdown as it were because passing was a movie that's been around a while and they've had to kind of relaunch they didn't they showed it at at sundance they bought it then and then relaunched it in new york went really well but it's still the visibility for that. Movie They're bringing it back high. up. They've they had they, definitely lost daughter has a higher profile right now yep. out of Telluride and, and the fall festivals. Um, I don't know which one is more fun. They're both kind of dark movies. I suppose lost daughter. Well, those is are the two dark comedy, but, but they're both dark and they're both very beautiful, but the one yes. they're the, and they're about relationships uh, yeah. and they're, they're actor pieces. I would say that those two films are Oscar contenders potentially uh, as, as screenplays and, and directors and, and actors. Um, so they're, but they're, very similar and then the others are probably not and then documentary feature this is the every year it's the same issue there's so many documentaries so you have a whole bunch that were debuted at sundance and summer of soul is is notable there my my name is Polly murray which did not get a documentary feature nom uh, summer of soul did um and, and i flea. think summer of soul and flea are the two leading contenders but there are questions about flea's eligibility as a documentary. Um, there's some voiceovers. There's some young actors playing uh, the characters when they're younger. It's animated, right? So oh, we're going to talk a lot about this one. Interview with oh the director, and then you have uh, other people playing some of the characters as younger people. And 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 I this has come up um, a couple times now, where people I think it's a documentary. It is a documentary, but uh, people get hung up come on. on the fact that let's, it's animated. Let's call this what it re-enact- is. Quote, quote unquote reenactments involved let's call this what it is it's bullshit that i mean that is the stupidest you watch that movie and it, it is obviously doing something with non-fiction material and using animation to make to uh, first of all to protect this guy's anonymity but also That's to bring important. closer to it yes. is the thin blue line not a documentary i mean i can't believe that 
people they still had trouble with that, that in the year that it came out. Remember, Which, reenactments have ago. long been yep. they've come they've become much more accepted. But as you know, the the, the Morgan Neville documentary Roadrunner about Anthony Bourdain has hung gotten hung up on these issues too AI of, for of how they used you know cre- recreated his voice to 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 uh, for for, a, for an email. Um, you know what so, else used reenactments? Freaking Nanak of the, the North. And the I rescue, mean, and the rescue, and touching the go. void, and all sorts of things, you know. But but That's these good. are these. It has become more accepted, but animation as documentary, as an entire documentary, not just like Rebel Hearts has animation artfully used in it, um, you know, for things that they couldn't find footage for. But but this is this is an interesting. I, I'm not saying that I think this is a problem. I'm I saying know. that other this people think this is a problem. I love I love the movie. I did a Q&A for for an Academy screening of it in New York a couple of weeks back and it did seem to play really well. But I was curious about this side of things. And in the course of the conversation, I talked about the rules of documentary storytelling and what Jonas Rasmussen Poehler was saying was I don't really think of documentary storytelling as having rules, which I think is a valid thing to say. But if the doc branch wants to be totally pure, they may want to be, they want, they want to argue. But Hey, you got summer of soul, which is an archival. So I guess they're going to, they're going to praises on that. So did you see Faya Dai? Yes. Faya Dai is beautiful. Uh, that was a Sundance discovery for sure. That's the kind of film that the programming team there really seemed to like help get out there in a way. It's a really beautiful and, and, and it's about Ethiopian movie. drugs or drug <laughs> trade. And it's sort of edited in a style to imitate the drug trips and stuff. Very innovative. Um, and then Ascension is a doc about China that won Tribeca and, and, right. um, you know, so, uh, you know, it's an interesting, again, this is a category that was decided by a small group of people and the winner did will you be see chosen president? by one. I did see president at, at, at uh, a Sundance. It, it's fine. I mean, it's, it's one of those documentaries that's uh, the subject matter is what makes it kind of interesting. And then the filmmaking is kind of. You mean Zimbabwe contemporary yeah, Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe election. Um, and, and lots of corruption there. And I, I mean, I certainly learned a lot from watching it and, and there's solid verite and so forth. I, I didn't think it was, you know, as, as, as outstanding as some of the other, uh, nonfiction achievements. The point here. is, is that every time one of these films actually gets mentioned, you know, it ends up having uh, a good impact on making other people watch the films and, and be curious about them. International feature is interesting. I mean, drive my car is the Japanese Oscar submission. Titan is the French Oscar submission and the worst person in the world is presumably going to be the Norway. Right. Those uh, are the bigger submission. ones. I like but, that they have souvenir on there because yeah, it's, it's not going to get anything else like that. That's cool. I, I mean, enjoyed that smart. movie very much. I do that's recommend it. What yeah. is Azor? I don't even know. We'll get an email about that. Someone needs we to put will. that on Someone our radar. will tell us what it is. <laughs> and what do we see when we look at the sky? I don't know what that is the either. Geor- that's, a, I believe, a, a Georgian film, if I'm not mistaken, um, that was at uh, Berlin earlier this year and uh, then went to New York. It was at the New York Film Festival, um, and it's a, a first feature, so it's a, considered to be a, a kind of discovery uh, love story of sorts, very experimental in its making. I do feel like Pedro Almodovar was robbed again in a very weird situation where you would think, you know, of all the higher-profile international films, it's why not that It's such a great film. But, such a okay. great film. 
Okay. You know, but they're but they're definitely going with the smaller the smaller entries yeah. that are less. I mean, well even known. it's funny that even something like Red Rocket was relegated to screenplay as opposed to best. Like that to me feels like a best film kind of Gotham movie, you know. But here it's in screenplay alongside Paul Schrader's Card Counter. Green Knight comes up again. Lost Daughter comes up passing. And then El Planeta, which was a really fascinating debut from the Spanish filmmaker Amalia Ullman. So, again, you know, it's fast. It's just really interesting to me how you get this blend of, of things you haven't heard of in a few higher profile films. And the real question is when the second round comes along, are these juries going to go for? the one or two bigger movies in the category or does something that's smaller actually end up getting it? Usually what happens is the bigger movies win, but. Well, no. you've got Olivia Coleman in lead performance who yeah. would, in my view, towers over the rest of the list. I'm a big fan of, of Simon Rex, as you know, in Red Rocket. Um, and Oscar Isaac in the card counter, I mean. Well, so I just don't think that's gonna go Oscar-y. I, I, I just don't think that's gonna happen. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. I mean, the so. movie's done all right, and there's a lot of respect for the guy, but they do have absolutely, to campaign. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, and then you have Mass, um, so supporting goes to Reed Bernie, of all people. I think Ann Dowd is the one that's more likely to register uh, with that for that film. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, Troy Kotzer in Coda is, is actually a very strong contender. Yeah, and he's, he's amazing. Along with Marley okay. Matlin. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. fascinating. And Ruth Nega. I really hope Ruth Nega gets in for passing. That's a great that, performance. That is one byproduct of this new approach to the performance categories is having uh, <laughs> more actors you know, fighting with each other. That's quite a showdown. It's so a breakthrough uh, performer. I'm delighted to see Amelia Jones there for, for Coda. Absolutely. And uh, uh, I'm not sure any of the others are going to register. Rachel Sinat and Shiva Baby is amazing. I mean, the, I have well, to see Shiva Baby. You I gotta just see that. You gotta, you gotta see Shiva. El Planeta too. Those are two really strong debuts that could be very easily lost in the conversation. But Shiva Baby. And then we have all, a whole bunch of television stuff. So yeah. that that's that's the other wrinkle in all these so awards. Was now. Squid Game robbed? Oh no, it's there. I how could I? It's how there. Could I that? <laughs> Squid Game, Underground Railroad, White Lotus. The entire cultural conversation of 2020 on your small screen. You right know, there. the Squid Game has arrived when Frank Bruni in the New York Times goes out against it, saying that it's a represent its a success disturbs his sleep. You know. <laughs> but then you also you had South Korean workers protesting in the streets this week, dressed up as the Squid Game guards. So it's yeah, certainly but then on the over. on the earnings call, Reed Hastings is dressed up as as a Squid Game guard because without recognizing that he's the problem that the, that Squid Game is about is entitled, yeah. uh, you know, rich billionaires. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, he should be dressing up as a different character in the show. If you've watched the show, he's not he's not those <laughs> characters. He's a different one. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was certainly a fascinating uh opportunity to, to dig through a show that everyone was talking about usually it's not something like that that comes by the way i loved the show so. i i binged it i enjoyed as it too as anyone yeah, I else i thought it was really well done actually yeah i hope they i do hope they invest in a second season i mean it, it does benefit from the episodic format and building a world and all that kind of stuff so uh why don't we move on because there's some bigger things happening in film culture including eternals which I saw in New York. I guess you speaking did you of to big, 
I went to the I went to the so-called premiere uh, L.A. event, yeah, at uh, at the Dolby, which is the place where they held the Oscars in when they held when they hold them um, in in person. Uh, It it, they skipped this particular venue last year um, during during the pandemic, but anyway, it was it's a big, beautiful, uh, gorgeously shot Chloe Zhao movie. You can see the the, her influence mostly in the cinematography. I'm you're going to talk to her, and I'm very curious i gave you some questions but i i hope you have time to 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 get them answered um they don't give you much time at these at these press junkets well i think the the thing about eternals and even doing an interview for eternals in a press junket is that the most compelling things about it are not the ones that can be stuffed into that kind of like media hype around it the whole like what's the post credit sequence about and like how is this pushing the mcu forward and do we see any references to the blip or whatever it's it's actually unlike any mcu movie i i I can recall in the sense that it does dig deeper visually for poetry for a kind of sensitive side to the characters i think in some ways you feel that at odds with a lot of the more spectacular elements of it and that's a challenge for any filmmaker to work through especially one who has never made a movie that's entirely populated by professional actors and cgi and all this you feel that all of it you you see her you know you recognize her her moon her her magic hour uh fetish you know that's in there and and she actually grounds it a lot in nature and and in in the outdoor exteriors obviously she's she's keeping the the character i just found there were a lot of people standing around in circles awkwardly you well, know it just film. made me crazy it is it, a very it was like busy why movie. are they all standing there like logs you know rooted in the ground because um, it's because you stiffly. have so many you have so many characters and also a lot of timelines i mean these are they're not quite gods but they they've been they've been around for you know, eons through all these eras and, in history. And then there's this shock twist where where one of them actually gets killed, and you're like, you're supposed to be an immortal. What's the, what's going on? Is that here? a spoiler? You are know? we gonna get are we gonna get reamed? For <laughs> I didn't that? say which one. <laughs> Can we say and that one of them is gay? So they become. I mean, so they be, yeah, one of them is gay. So 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 we they become. Brian Tyree they're Henry, all these. I really liked him. Really? No, there's all these. No, he great was very movie. good. It's very well cast. They the, the actors help help to save it to the extent that it's saved. I mean, Angela G- Lena Jolie gives this very strange performance that I found sort of oddly compelling. Um, you know, th- because they're they're just ridiculous and silly. In, in fact, and playing it, trying to play it straight in a way. Yeah, and I mean, and, and 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 they're and they're wearing ridiculous, silly outfits. And 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 who the hell are these people? And and what are the rules? And yet, Richard Madden is a really good actor. And 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 you know, you and I think I think they, you know, Kamal Nanjiani is hilarious. I, I mean, there, he really a moment... he saved quite a few scenes. It takes a little me. while for for Kamal's character to kind it of. It takes a while form. for the whole thing to get going. Yes, exactly. It's very, sort of like very awkward what, at the beginning. Here. But yeah. when he shows up and he's in this like big Bollywood production, <laughs> that was great. He's kind of like the new Robert Downey Jr. of the franchise or something. I mean, he has that kind of, and hopefully as these characters continue to evolve in what I'm sure will be a decade plus of movies continues to, to be a part of it in that sense. It does feel like this is a very busy universe right now. And the question is, how are they going to deal with all that now? I didn't actually see the post credits and we won't get into all of that, but 
I did hear about there it. There was an audible gasp, audible gasp. <laughs> Lots at, more to come, at, huh? the, yeah. at, at the at the screening that I, and, and including my daughter, who who's of the generation where the reveal would would matter. Um, mm-hmm. Let's just say some a younger, uh, very famous no, no, don't, don't person has, is is going to join the the, the MCU. I'm always so terrified. You know, I was on. A <laughs> it's panel. all over the internet, though. And here's the thing: it has nothing to do with any kind of plot reveal. It is it is a golden nugget dropped in there that they knew would explode all over yeah, social but media. I mean, I, it's I, not I like it's a it, spoiler, like, really. But but that's the, the our spoiler culture has intensified so much that almost everything is a spoiler. I was on a panel at New York Comic Con like two weeks ago, and I talked about the end of Lost. And someone in the audience really got mad at me. No, like, literally mad at me. The she was working her way through the show. I, that's why I tried. She's to the say only it. person on the planet at I, this stage. I, would think, I don't know, but it, it, statistically speaking, at I would think point, you have a crowded room. People are talking room. about the end of Bond too. You know. Yeah, well, I, mean, I don't know. I, I'm terrified too. So. I wouldn't. <laughs> who knows? We 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 could try it and see if we're still alive to do an episode. No, no we might week, not. But... Don't want to take that risk. <laughs> so then, what else is so? Dune is finally opening. It kind of feels like Dune opened so long ago with all the the hype and the hoopla. It and, is an and interesting thing but... where they opened it at Venice, and 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 it feels like a long time has gone by. But it's finally hitting theaters, and I and I finally wrote my interview with with Denis Villeneuve and other story. Rebecca Ferguson. There's a story about her on the site. We did a nice story. Uh, Bill did on uh, on Hans Zimmer, which I think it's his best score for a long, since maybe Inception. It's a, it's a very good score. Um, and he could get, he could get, he get one, uh, I think it's his 11th, uh, nomination, uh, for, for this. Um, I just love, I, I love, I love Dune. Dune is so great and so I, beautifully made. And so, uh, I saw it twice now, um, the second time in a Dolby house with lots of good sound. And I just, I could go see it a third time and I'd be happy. I don't need to. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the movie. I, I think. I agree with everything up and uh, through the crafts part of it. And then once you get into to the other side of things, I, I felt like the movie just left me very cold. I found it kind of bland. I do appreciate Chalamet in particular and a few other performances. He's Oscar very Isaac good. As well. He really shows I, and, and I, Here's the thing. To me, it's actually a, it's, it's a very literal minded approach to this material and, and tries to almost ground it in reality in a way. And I actually revisited the Lynch version and what I appreciated about it as, as silly as it is, is that it, it's actually, it has a lot of similar scenes. You can see the adaptation process working in both places and it's not pretending that this is like high art. And I felt like that, pretending aspect of it in in the Villeneuve movie kind of didn't totally coalesce for me the way that it did in say Blade Runner 2049 which to me was like every frame was just so gorgeous and the noir element was so beautifully realized there was something about this that it just I'd never fully connected with the kind of bland desert landscapes and the and the tone of it land all. you've got to be out of your mind land. it's They're IMAX just, and it's the they, same they locations the as Lawrence of Arabia it's 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 they a did really better things stunning with the movie <laughs> oh my god it is so gorgeous and the costumes and the little gadgets and the little I will say see it in IMAX or don't see it at all to, it's not just to kill you yeah you know? they were all right I mean I, I think the, it, the it ornithopter I I guess got a kick out of all the of it scale i found it really screen. fun the scale of the big screen is the selling point in this movie which is why you know at the end of the day we we know why denis villeneuve was so mad about the day and date plan for this movie that he actually wrote an editorial about it in variety 
when that news came out. And I'd be really curious to see, I mean, how many people are just going to, you know, watch it at home? I think this will lure people. No, I think it will lure them into the theaters, um, especially younger people. Um, It's a question mark. I mean, our our box office guy is wondering, you know, is Timothy Chalamet, is Zendaya, who's hardly in it, by the way. I mean, wait for part two. (laughs) Wait for part two. She's in his dreams. She's in his dreams. I I think I think that that um, that he he is a star, but this will be a test. Um, It's still not. We are not in post pandemic times when it comes to theaters there. I I speak to a lot of people, older people, especially who are just too scared to go back yet they're not there yet yeah and the numbers are every week it feels like the numbers tell a different story i mean halloween kills did make 50 million dollars while being younger demo we have yet to show that the older demo, even um you know the roadrunner movie that did well this summer was a younger demo right and was just okay I mean, and Bond Bond, was, Bond yeah. was doing better in Europe than the than yep. the US, which yeah, is yep. typical. But still, one would hope that that the adults would come back. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully they feel that void in their lives if they're the type that do, and the movies give them a reason to. But Dune is not a movie that gives them a reason to. I would assume. I, I think mean, Dune gives them a great big reason to. It's one of the most spectacular visual experiences they're going to have. But is and that so, what older demos by the way, for? is eternal. Eternal. No, the thing about I actually I would say that that Dune could pull the younger audience also because it's it's it's. it's I would a, think it is more. It's a audience. it's a younger story. Yeah. It's about that's, a young man coming into his own. That's what I assumed is that 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 demo was more more inclined to to go check it out. But it is a very big open question with a lot of stuff right now, and uh, and we'll see how it goes before the end of the year. I mean, how does Spider Man do? That's a young demo kind of movie. <laughs> I assume it'll do well. But... Well, the real test is going to be in my, you know, you know, my universe is the Oscars. And we're going to find out when we start seeing movies like French Dispatch and Belfast. And French Dispatch has a very short, uh, small re- release. I'm, no, I'm not sure. But, yeah. And we're going to see how these movies do. Um, it's going to be qu- quite, quite telling. And by the way, one of the news things that broke this week was that Don Hudson, who has been at the Academy uh, leading it as the CEO for a decade and led the charge on the museum, which finally opened. She is not renewing her contract. And and in my own mind, um, I think people who have powerful jobs like that tend to say, I'm not coming back. I don't want to come back when they know that there's nothing but diminishing returns going forward. That that, sure. that, the, that the heyday of the Oscars and the heyday of the movies might be behind us. Well, also, it's sort of like saying this is someone else's problem now in a way. I mean, That's maybe right. somebody can fix it or figure out the new direction, but it's not the same person who's been dealing with this declining uh, uh interest in what the Oscars represent. I mean, that's just the reality of, of the challenge that they've There's been still facing. interest. I mean, if you look at, at the coverage that we do, people still read about it and care about the horse race aspect of it. But I don't know about the show itself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They haven't yet fully pulled off a way to completely reinvent it. The Soderbergh yeah. thing, no, nah, was a, that was not a reinvent. It, it seemed like pandemic. there was almost just sort of like, hey, let's get Soderbergh to do this thing, and then we'll just like see what happens. That happened. was an anomaly. I don't think they should be. But then it on wasn't that. the year before wasn't particularly strong right. either. So, and that was an amazing year for Parasite and all this amazing stuff is happening in our world, but then the rest of the world doesn't really care about it. So 
So this is a year where we have no Golden Globes, no matter how hard they try yeah. to say that they're I still going to have I, I them. I happened into it earlier. I, was, I had to remind myself that we don't have that. Uh, well, we they're going to—they're going to give out the awards, yeah. but they're not yeah. going to have a television show no. Sorry, <laughs> to give folks. them out on. And they're going against the Critics' Choice Awards on the same night, which, is just which was a rather hostile act. I mean, yeah. in truth, the Golden Globes—if there were a television show—is a much bigger one than the Critics' Choice Awards, um, which are small. But it's—it's a—it's an, an interesting situation where this year, where uh, everything is not the same as usual. Still. So before we we wrap. Uh, I feel like we do have to acknowledge the situation that happened in Netflix this past week because it's just been such a massive news story. It's one of those situations where even my non-industry friends were reaching out to me and asking me what I thought about it, which is Did you watch the special, the Dave Chappelle special? Did you actually look at it? Yes. And um, the stuff that he says is transphobic is very transphobic. I mean, it's 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 shocking. Well, his to me. whole idea is to be shocking. Yeah, but I mean, I think. I think right? that there there are there's a distinction on some level here between effective comedy that makes you uncomfortable and mean-spirited comedy that stirs up uh terrible thoughts in people's heads and that's, that's the way what it we comes across. Avoid. And yeah. that and the, the problem I find here is not so much that I mean there was a corporate problem which is Ted Sarandos who's been a guest on this podcast did not stand by his employees appropriately he made some some rather they were internal Not memos, smart. he pointed yeah. out later, that, that were ill-advised in terms of their being leaked. Um, you know, so he didn't think that part through. That that but then also happen, that whole thing about which was uh, a mistake. not believing that, that content can can create real-world harm. And I mean, he that's just, walked that back also. He had to. He walked the day that of their, back. Let, let us know. But on the day he's of still backing up. Talk. Exactly. He's still backing up his, his talent. Well, the business and has not He's behaving him. the same way that the studios have behaved through the decades if, if if it's violent if it's whatever it is that that caused it caused something to happen in the real world they deny it and 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 back up their talent and but he's I do doing think... that he's close with Chappelle he's close with a lot of the comedians uh, on his roster and he's going to to support them no matter what because they're incredibly lucrative and have yeah, okay huge so there's all that bases. but I think the thing that's dis disappointing on some level is that there, there wasn't enough of a conversation, as far as we can tell, about the validity of doing this in the first place. I mean, why does Spike Lee get to put 9-11 truthers in his HBO series? Why does he Dave Chappelle... He took that out. He, he did, eventually. Out. He did the right thing. I think, in some ways, Spike's moral compass is more sophisticated than Dave Chappelle's. And there's something troubling to me about the fact that, as someone was telling me earlier this week, Chappelle is touring with a guy like Joe Rogan. They're getting these younger mostly men fired up about you know wokesters snowflakes you know everything's too politically correct and i i don't like that aspect of our culture that you can't actually be understand when not not that something crosses a line that something can actually be dangerous and that's essentially what you do when you have you're in 190 countries and you have somebody up there saying i'm pro-turf and everybody's laughing so there, there was something that should have happened before so where sarandos really went wrong was not being sensitive to his own employees yeah. and not being more sensitive to the impact that this could have on anticipating the, the impact as yeah. well it seems so clearly, it was a public so. relations problem on a major scale uh i have to say it was badly handled yep well to be continued on that front and next week We'll have a whole bunch of new stuff to dig into because we'll have that 
elusive shortlist from Doc NYC. We got the lineup. Can't wait. Week, Always like to see that'll if be I fun can to get talk ahead through. of Tom Powers. Yeah, and yeah. keep arguing about what's a documentary and what's not a documentary. Hang in there, Anne. We're getting through award season one week at All a time. Right. Bye. Thanks, Eric. Bye-bye.